Welcome to Forecast episode 383. I'm your host, Paradox the Red Wolf. I'm your tiger, Mariski. I'm hungry. You're hungry? Hi, hungry. Oh, hi, hungry. I'm Paradox. You know where you should go if you're, if you're hungry? Where? You should go to Turkey. And on that note, Ding. welcome to Furcast of Oh my god, it took me a second to get that joke. Wow. Wow. Anyway, we might uh, hear some thunder in the background, by the way, because there is a thunderstorm warning in our region right now. So we'll have to see how that goes. Hopefully we won't lose power. Thunder. Um, so before we jump into the show, I just want to mention that in just a moment, we're going to be doing an interview with, uh, Linnea, the president of the Furry Writers Guild. So that'll be awesome. We'll probably do our roundup first though. So we'll try to get through that. Um, just a quick mention that our coupon codes for Twin Tail Creations are now 20% off. Um, so we are sponsored by Twin Tail Creations and you can use our coupon code REDWOLF or the coupon code BLUEFOX to get 20% off on their silicon products. Uh, also, some of the uh, shoutouts were updated, but we only got part of the way through it because we really want to do a gag. Um, so next week, the shoutouts are going to be fully updated. I got one or two of them in there. Um, I'll talk about them more in just a little bit. Um, I think that's pretty much it for the intro. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Still not much going on. It's, you know, COVID. No one's around. We can't see any of our friends. So we're kind of just here with you guys doing maybe a little bit of a short show. And that's about it. Um, how are you guys? Weeks, Ben. Bland. Bland, yeah, me too. And, well, you know how mine has been. Yeah. Just... Yeah, but the audience doesn't know. Oh, yeah. right. Um. <laughs> yeah, you know. Paradox, don't you know that like that really funny story that I told you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great story. It is. Yeah. What if we did an entire show like that? Because like, I was just like, in, like all inside jokes. Yeah, that'd like, be... But we keep everyone else on the answer like, ah, Tuesday, just remember Tuesday? Yeah. Pretty much the only thing I did this week was watching Dark on Netflix. Mm. Good show. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't watch Dark. I say good things. That's about it. That's pretty much my whole week. So mm. I don't even remember what I did this week. That's Futurama? Sad. I watched some Futurama. I didn't watch as much. Huh. I watched like clips downstairs and that's about a few episodes upstairs. I feel it. bad for you just watching Futurama on YouTube. No, I, it was just because it was on my phone. Mm. Huh. I was watching it like on my computer on like, sites that are very Futurama is a legal. good show. I should probably catch up on like all the episodes. Yeah, have you not finished it? No, I, I've never. I never really kept up with it. It oh. didn't seem like it was. There's a little bit of a backstory, but it's more just episodic. It's mostly episodic, but there's some like. Yeah, there's definitely like some moments that you're just like, oh, my heart. And there are good political satires in it, which I like. Yeah, some. I'm kind of glad that I finished BoJack because I don't know if I would be able to handle watching oh, it right not now. Right? No, uh, not yeah. with COVID. That would be think. rough, man. Yeah. Oh, imagine if they. Bojack was still on when COVID was on, like, like they did like a joke about COVID, <laughs> like think... it, like w- entire season it with just like they can't leave ha- the house. Well, they've already done some like in terms of writing, they've had good moments like that where like everybody yeah like the, the like the Mr. Peanut Butter Underground one that yeah. was uh, that was awesome. <laughs> that was a good one, and there there is some um, some other ones like the you know the underwater one and everything, yeah. but it's mm-hmm. just. Yeah, I don't know if I could handle them making COVID jokes because it would just be well, like, like when they make realistic jokes about life, you're like, oh. Yeah. But then when they make COVID jokes, you'd just be like, oh. <laughs> yeah. But like, is Simpson making any reference to COVID? Uh, Simpsons are well behind as far as it takes them like a year and a half to make an episode. Mm, true. So they'll catch up eventually. Mm-hmm. They, they'll be, but by then it'll be irrelevant. 
it'll still be relevant. I mean, yeah. it's been a half a year, and we're still going Wait, strong. Okay, if Simpsons takes about a year and a half to make, how did they make all like Trump jokes back in before the election? Well, because that Cause was a Trump. Thing Trump was the a thing before the election. Uh, I, um, he has been running for a while before. Okay. Yeah, and very typical in the. Oh, are you talking the... about like the really old episodes that talked about Trump? Because they just they just guessed. Like, uh, like there was a joke about when Lisa becomes president, yeah. and she's like, "Ah, oh, we, 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 we are, um, our ec- economy is in the shit because when we took took over from President Trump, we were in the world's biggest recession." I think it was just one of those ongoing. It was just like pop, a, it was just a quick joke, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do a great job on the on those though. They yeah. can predict yeah. things very well. Which is kind of scary. Damn it, Simpsons. <laughs> Matt <laughs> groaning. You fucked us up. Anyway, uh, all right, why don't we jump into the roundup? Um, so we'll get going on that. And uh, I have to use the studio computer to do things I'd normally do with my laptop because I forgot my laptop power supply and it's going to die at some point. So, <gasps> welcome to the roundup. The roundup is a segment where we throw a bunch of fucking links at you and you can check them out on your own after the show when we post the episode, which usually takes a few days. This is our rapid fire news segment. We're going to run right through it and then we'll jump into our interview and the first thing in the roundup telegram has video calling now has anybody tried it no no you haven't i, no. I haven't tried it either i mean um, i guess it is hey, alpha. Paradise. why don't we can try it well i'd rather not right now actually actually oh you know what did i even update it on my phone i don't think i did yeah i don't think i did <laughs> shit so I'll update that in a minute. But uh, we should also shout out the fact that Telegram has now been going for seven years. They are at 400 million users, and they are now the top 10 most downloaded apps to stay in touch with family, collaborate with classmates, and coordinate with coworkers. Oh, yeah, those are just things I associate with Telegram. Hmm. Mm. Uh, hmm. Um, by the way, Quick warning and reminder to people, although Telegram is very popular with furries right now, uh, considering all the shit going on with all the other apps, especially TikTok and all of the other things going on with the App Store and uh, and Tencent and ByteDance and everything, make sure that your privacy settings are set so that you would be okay if your parents or coworkers or boss joins Telegram. In particular, um, They'll see the name they have you as in contacts. They won't see you as um, your, you know, your display name, but they would be able to see your bio, your handle, and your icon. Now, what I did is as soon as I saw one of my coworkers sign up, I blocked them, and then I went into the, um, like, who can see my icon, mm-hmm. and it was like everyone except this list of people, and I put them in so that they won't see my icon. But yeah, it's um, and if you can set it so people can't discover you by phone number, but in order to do that, you have to change another privacy setting that also stops people from being able to use it or something. I can't remember. Um, either way, something to think about, or just don't have real life people in your contact list. Well, if they have you, uh, you know, so really what you have to have to do is sign up for Telegram with an alternate number, like a Google Voice number or. Yeah. You know, get a DID number or something. Mm. But yeah, it can be, it can be rough with that. And it doesn't get any better with apps like Signal and um, even WhatsApp is like primarily like number discovery. Mm. So it can be rough. So then you got to have apps like Wire and Matrix are a little better about stuff like that. But yeah, either way, there's more animated emoji. Oh boy, more stuff to disable. Um, 
or go back to good old Skype. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, well, we'll have to try the video calls at some point. This should be interesting. Uh, supports picture-in-picture mode and everything. Neat. Uh, and then I also have an article from Android Police about that, uh, version 7.0 of Telegram, uh, video calls in beta. So you guys can check that out. Next in the roundup, uh, we have more cons going virtual. Uh, or, well, I don't know if this is necessarily the con itself as much as it is uh, just kind of a fan-made thing. But um, Brian the Husky on Twitter uh, has showed some virtual, virtual Fernal Equinox, um, which is pretty neat. That's the uh, Weston Hotel Lobby in Toronto. Uh, and also Furidelphia has also been doing that. Now, this is actually a tweet from Furidelphia uh, saying VR headset optional. You got a little uh, VR space at the hotel, so that's pretty cool. There's a lot of cons going that direction. Uh, next, quick shout out to a furry podcast. Uh, it's called Phila and Fandom, I think is how to pronounce that. I think P-H- it's Phila. Phila, Phila and Fandom. Uh, but it's a quote, a nerdy podcast hosted by two furry scientists. Um, and they are talking about science and furry stuff, um, which seems pretty cool. Um, I have not actually listened to it, so just a reminder, I'm not exactly endorsing, but I do, every time I see a furry podcast, I like to shout them out, because I know what it's like to start a podcast. It's it's difficult, so I want to shout people out. So there you go. So, shout out to Phyla and Fandom. Next in the roundup, a Godzilla museum has opened in Japan, and apparently you can zipline into the mouth. You're sending me that link because I gotta send it to um to Bluegrass. That I'm I'm guessing that's a hero. Have you seen the amount of Godzilla figures that Bluegrass has? No. We're going into his room after this. Okay. <laughs> I know he's not home because he's at his friends. He has every single Godzilla. Well, I mean, every single one of them. This is like a vor, like ride. <laughs> he has all of them. I, I guess, but. I remember going to like dinosaur museums as a kid, and they always had a section where you walk into a dinosaur's mouth. I guess, but I don't know. I don't know, but ziplining into it is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a neat concept. Uh, next in the roundup, we have a trailer for a video game by Wolfgun. <laughs> and it has all kinds of really interesting synthy sounds and stuff. And I have no idea uh, what type of game this would be categorized as, but it seems interesting, and it has a bunch of Wolfgun music in it. I play Wolfgun in the show sometimes. Yeah, so shout out to uh, Wolfgun. That's on his YouTube channel, trailer for that. Next, in the roundup, U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission is back at it again with Quinn the Quarantine Fox. Um, I guess. <laughs> I they're interesting. U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. They have some funny tweets, man, about stuff. Next, I uh, probably don't need us to tell you, but there is a bunch of drama going on between uh, Fortnite and, of course, Fortnite being, uh, I believe, uh, is Epic it Game, which is, is it Epic Games, by... which is owned by Tencent. Yep. Uh, so basically, Tencent versus Apple and Google on their uh, app stores. Um, So this comes down to like all of the different rules that both Apple and Google have on their app stores. Uh, Everything from like what's allowed in the apps to um, like Apple in particular has very strict rules on like um, how you can sell things in app to consumers, whether or not you use their payment system or your own payment system. Um, Also, if you use their payment system, there's things like the amount of like percentage of money that both Apple and Google want to take from your purchases. And um, 
stuff that maybe made sense when the app stores were brand new, but probably doesn't make sense today when uh, it's not really a monopoly, but I guess it's like a duopoly or a triopoly. I, I don't really Bully. know. Something. The point is, um, because the app stores are so essential to mobile computing these days, um, it's getting to the point where a lot of companies are like, hey, these rules that you have that like made sense like a decade ago don't really, they're not really fair anymore. Um, and so Fortnite in particular is really like going nuts with them. So you might remember uh, this famous 1984 uh, Apple commercial, um, which was like the, the, the think different thing. The like... The famous, like, Apple commercial with that. Well, anyway, uh, Fortnite decided to make fun of it and make their own version. <laughs> that's all, like... Hmm. I wonder what that's supposed to represent. Yeah. Epic Games has defied the App Store monopoly in retaliation Apple's blocking Fortnite. Now, since they released this, they're also going against Google, and I believe they were also uh, removed from the Google Play Store. Either way, bunch of drama going on there, um, and they're trying to start like a whole campaign social media thing against it, so we'll see where that goes. Next, in the roundup, DEFCON Furs is doing a bunch of talks. I actually watched uh, Fizz and Nightclub's talk today on um, SMT uh, and PCB assembly, which is really, really cool. But they have all kinds of events. In fact, they're actually going right now. Um, they have live DJs and all kinds of fun stuff. And uh, I believe tomorrow they also have some DJs going on. But there's definitely some cool videos you should check out. And that is at 2020.dcfurs.com. Um, so I imagine you could just go to dcfurs.com. But yeah, that would be that would be those guys. Um, and that's pretty much the end of the roundup. All that stuff. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Telegram video calls work, because the I've, the audio calls have always been weird. Like sometimes they work good, but like they're not very good at like echo cancellation. There's always a lot of lag and stuff. I've always found stuff like Discord and TeamSpeak and FaceTime work better. Yeah. And I found that uh, Telegram has a lot of pretty long delay between yeah. your, your side and the other side. I've also noticed it's not, it doesn't handle uh, connection instability very well. Mm. Like, I notice other apps, like, you know, you got like TeamSpeak and Discord where, like, they'll just delay that transmission of audio for a second. Mm -hmm. Whereas Telegram does one of those things where it tries to, like, change the bitrate dynamically. But it doesn't exactly work, and then a lot of times it just dis gets disconnected. And then the other thing I've noticed is that um, it's not a very good, it's not very good at it. Whatever I don't know if it's a state machine or if it's just the way it handles TCP connections. But like, you'll get that weird thing where like the connection's unstable, and then one person can hear you, but you can't hear them. And then after a few seconds, it just disconnects anyway. Yeah. But like for a while, it was working, so it's like it thinks there's a disconnection even though there isn't and I think it's probably just because the TCP session got killed somewhere. Mm. Either way, it's just, has a lot of issues with that I've noticed. But, uh, yeah, but anyway, um, all right, so we're going to jump into an interview uh, and this is with uh, Linnea who's the president of the Furry Writers Guild and they're going to talk to us about uh, not only the Furry Writers Guild but also, I believe, their book that they have and uh, I have them on the line. How's it going? Hey, it's going pretty good. It's really awesome to be on the show like this. Yeah, thank you for joining us. And uh, yeah, I hope you're doing good despite how, you know, crazy and weird things are lately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the world is a, is a rough place right now. But, you know, always trying to find the silver linings and happy bits when you can. 
well, hey, you know, if there's, when you can't hang out with anybody and you can't go anywhere, maybe a good thing to do is to read a book. <laughs> I, I cannot say I disagree. I have been going through my collection of my, my, my reading pile is much smaller nowadays. So, <laughs> which is a good thing. But then it means I'll run out and I'll have to buy more books. The horror. Yeah. <laughs> what a shame. So, yeah. So, uh, so shut yourself out. So you, you're the president of the Furry Writers Guild. Uh, tell us kind of like, what's the history of that? How long you've been with uh, those guys? And, um, and what is that? What does the Furry Writers Guild do? All right. Well, that's a great question. The, uh, well, the brief history lesson is the Furry Writers Guild was founded back in 2011. And the idea was to create a group that would support and elevate anthropomorphic fiction and the people who create it. I, there's a lot of amazing artists in the fandom, and of course, I love them so much. They make some great things, but there's also a lot of people writing a ton of good books and stories out there, posting them on, you know, everything from like Fur Affinity to So Furry to legitimately publishing. We have at least four or five furry publishing houses, which is wild when you think about it. Um, wow, that's, what we I, do with some... that's awesome. So <laughs> you're talking and now... When, when you say publishing house, is that like for distribution, getting it on stores, or is that actually like printing the books as well? Um, I, I know that a lot of publishers essentially go through a printing company, but like we have everything from Fur Planet, Sofa Wolf, Goal Publications, Thurston Howell, Weasel Press, and I know there's a new one starting out, kind of. Like they, uh, the furry mystery box folks are working on like putting out more books themselves too. So like, there's a lot of people out there who are actually just putting out straight up furry lit. Like it's kind of amazing. You can see them at conventions. You're gonna find them on Amazon. Although buy them from their websites, help them out. But you know, like just like you would expect from any other publishing company. Yeah. Okay. And um. So is furry writers guild? Is that? Is that something that is like a buy furries for furries kind of thing, or is it more just focusing on like anthropomorph uh, anthropomorphic media in literature? That's a great question. I mean, we call it the Furry Writers Guild for a reason. There's a lot of furries. We right. occasionally have have joined or talk in our various groups or things like that who are not necessarily furries themselves, but have written fiction like that. That's not an uncommon thing, but for the most part, this is pretty furry focused okay so you're primarily like trying to trying to kind of assist furries with their their writing and stuff like that and and get their stuff out there so is this like something that uh any like furry can join if they want it like let's say you're a writer um are there like guidelines or is it kind of specifically just with publishing if you actually have material to publish that's a great question first uh we have a telegram and discord which you can find on the furry writers guild website okay. anyone can join that Come talk to us, network with people, do whatever you want. It will always be free and available to everybody. Actual guild membership itself has some requirements, which you can also find on the website. But essentially, it has to involve having something published in a paying or non-paying market. Okay, I see. So, yeah. But we, we absolutely support anyone in our guild spaces, whether you're an exact member or not. Just being a member has a few perks. You get to vote on our Coyote Awards, and we have certain promotional things that we do to help people out through that. So, you know, it, it, it's a very nice thing. And even another thing for folks who are just like, have you ever wanted to see your name in print in a book? You know, 
we have the furry writers market. They, I mean, the giant writers market is a big book that a lot of people look at every year for places to get published. We keep an eye specifically on places that are either open to furry lit or specifically trying to get some so that you can find places to try to get your own stories published in, which is pretty neat. <laughs> if the first time you get to hold a book that has your name in it, you'll feel really amazing. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So like, um, so it seems like a lot of what you offer is like just a community for people to kind of um, get the resources they need and talk to people and, and everything from like advice to uh, kind of helping people with their workflow and stuff like that. Is it? Absolutely. Yeah. We, we have a lot of experienced writers in there. A lot of the, well, pr most of the biggest writers in the fandom are members of the Furry Writers Guild. I mean, you know, Kyle Gold. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got like Mary Loud, Greg Luderman. We have a lot of people who are experienced in this to give people a lot of advice. We have a lot of the furry publishers who can also give you specific advice. It's kind of awesome if you want to come in and learn how to write and promote your stuff or just ask a weird question like, how do I write this animal or something? We can help you. <laughs> That's great. Like, um, I'd always kind of wondered that if there was like a, a dedicated set of resources for like, how do you like how do you write a story where there's a compelling story, but you're also like constantly kind of reminding the the reader that like these are anthropomorphic characters you know like is it just a story where everybody just happens to be animals or does that like actually factor into it and stuff and kind of all the you know all the prioritizing when you write something is a, is a super interesting thing in and of itself um stories that essentially just have like are just like any other human societies but just happen to have animals in them those are actually called zipper backs there's a name <laughs> for them backs. And uh, a lot of publishers specifically aren't necessarily looking for that. Um, they'll take it. But I think one of the most exciting things about furry literature is you have an animal that can smell something from however far away. If you're, you know, if you're like reading a horror novel and they're like, I suddenly smelled blood. That animal would be like, wait, I smell blood in that house. Maybe we shouldn't go inside, you know, before we even get in there. <laughs> or even just animals seeing like some animals are partially colorblind or anything else. Like these things can make the stories even better. And I know that I personally love to see it when people really get into species specifics. And oh, I oh. think they can help tell better stories that humans just can't tell. <laughs> or if it was like, um, they have like night vision and like the the horror, like the, the guy is like chasing them. He's like trying to hide and you're like, hey, what are you doing over there? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. exactly. There's there's so many moments like that that people like in a lot of stories they 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 do get skipped and stuff like that. But I I think we definitely work on trying to promote that. And there's so many things that having different animal species allows you to tell different kinds of stories or even using species as allegories for things that happens in real life. We we did an interview about that recently on our blog with a pretty famous author. So like there's there's things that you can only really do when you tell a story with animal characters and we want to help promote that and make sure that people not only you know can get their stories out there but help other people see them yeah i mean and like so in terms of expression i mean there's obviously the animal stuff but um you know and i think of the furry fandom and the kinds of things furries like to express i mean what is your um how how do you try to guide people with stuff like that? Like when it comes to, let's say, sexual expression, we'll pick on that. Is that something that um, is becomes a huge part of a lot of stories? Or is that something that most of them are trying to actually move away from and focus on other things instead? 
this is gosh, you ask me really easy questions. I can again say that we very <laughs> recently did it. We we did a we very recently again did an interview discussing um writing erotica from an author who basically wrote an erotic novel for their very first time to discuss their experiences. That was Greg Luderman. Um <laughs> but uh we absolutely support any kind of not safe for work writing in the guild. I let's face it, sex sells, and we're not going to deny that. And there's plenty of mainstay anthologies released in the fandom every mm. year that are not safe for work focused. Even we have, we have like uh, Fang, we have Heat, although I think Heat is currently on hiatus. Claw is a new one that has recently come out that is absolutely excellent. These uh. like the fandom likes to read stuff involving sex. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Do you have to write sex to be able to be successful? Also, absolutely not. Some of the other big authors in our fandom definitely don't, and they still manage to have a lot of success. But we will absolutely support anyone who's writing any kind of erotica because it's still a story and it's still writing. Yeah, you know, you we're, not, we're not going to be fruits too. here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and we always try to tag anything too. So if anyone out there is listening who is kind of sex averse or whatever else, don't worry. We make sure to keep an eye on things so that people aren't being like crazy loot up in your face or something either. Yeah, and I mean, uh, like I think. What's so interesting is that there's some furry stories that try to go the direction of like, um, like, like in particular, like one of my favorite kind of sub subcultures within the fandom is like all the chackets and stuff. And I love that in their culture, uh, sex is like a much more just kind of open thing. Like nobody really cares. It's not hidden. It's like very just normal part of their culture. Um, but then on the other hand, you have stories where you're kind of exploring, like, for instance, uh, coming out as LGBT um, and things like that, where you're kind of, even though they're, they're furry characters, you have, like, the kind of human analog pressure of, like, coming out as gay and things not being acceptable and stuff. So there's, like, those two different directions where it's, like, what if everything was fine? And then you also have the direction of, like, what if there was just as much or if not even more pressure than there is in real life over these kinds of taboo things? And kind of how, like, the different directions you can go with that is, is great. Absolutely. And even through there, too, we get to, we can explore tons of other norms and things involving sex. I mean, you've got different animal species. Can they interbreed or something like that? There's a, 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 <laughs> yeah. a book recently came out uh, called uh, When a Cat Loves a Dog that tries to discuss that. A cat and a dog couple want to have a kid. Mm. How does that work? <laughs> and like there's there's a lot of these really interesting things that animals really make such a fascinating way to look at these real life issues through something that's a soft enough of a lens that it doesn't maybe punch you in the gut as hard, you know, because sometimes it's hard seeing yourself a human being in a story and having animals be that interface helps a lot. So another question Which, for you, unless, unless one of these guys wants I to I do have in. a question. Okay, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Do, do you see a lot of examples of uh, the aspects of animal characters being used for comedy? Unfortunately, not enough. Hmm. Um, I we recently made a suggested reading list through the guild. Which, if anyone's listening to this and wants to find a good book to read, you should uh, probably do that. All right, um, suggested <laughs> reading. I just found it on their website. Oh, this is nice. So, yeah. um, just to show everybody here because it's on screen. Mm. Uh, for those watching our video, you can see this uh, anthology, fantasy, sci-fi, romance, LGBT plus, mystery, erotica, western, young adult, historical fiction, poetry, and nonfiction. So there's a bunch of categories. Yes, we have fun poetry people. Like that's that is the tough one. There is a um, there is a furry comedy anthology that does exist. It was edited by the late Fred Patton called What the Fox. Yeah. And 
I believe that there was a story in an anthology, at least like a small section in Species Foxes, that was comedic in nature. Although, don't totally quote me on that. It's been a while since I've got to read that one. But I would love to see more comedic-focused anthologies. I have discussed with publishers if someone wants to run an anthology that's like a comedic erotica, you know, like bad fan fictions written on purpose. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see if that does get to come out because I would adore that. But I really would love to see more more comedy. It really would be great because I mean, literally, we have things like historical fiction and furry, which is amazing, but. It is something that we're lacking in. So if you like to write funny stuff, you should you should do that. Come talk to us. Write <laughs> right. <laughs> some comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I got one for you. Um, over over time since you've started. Um, but I'm sure, you know, there's obviously been furry novels and stuff even before Furry Writers Guild. Um, and I'm sure some of those are now listed on, on as part of it. But how has. We'll talk about reading and, and publishing and demographics in a minute but but first how has um the furry culture aspect of writing changed over the years since it started like have you noticed kind of a shift in like what people are interested in or the kinds of things people read or the things people are willing to write about i'm kind of curious if you've noticed anything like that that's a really interesting question honestly um i i've been involved in the fandom for quite a few years but i mean not obviously since the very beginning or anything like that but I've always loved looking essentially into the history of furry media. There is the uh, <laughs> there is the furry library, if you've never heard of it. It's a fantastic resource. There's a wonderful guy out there who's basically collecting everything he physically can that was ever in a book for an actual library. Oh, wow. Very cool. Really? Yeah. That's... Where is it? Yeah. Um, I I will have to find that specific thing on Twitter. There's a, there's a Twitter user. I'm going to feel so bad that I can't remember his name. I've met him in person. Uh. I'm so sorry if you're listening. Um, <laughs> I got to see a sampling of that library, and it's amazing how long we have had stuff that's not just comics, because, of course, we've had plenty of things like that, mm -hmm. but things that are comics that were specifically there to tell a story. I would say some of the most popular published works, at least, that were strictly for the furry fandom started out with things like associated student bodies and circles, you know, from way back, which circles is amazing. Please go and read it still. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> associated student bodies might show its age a little bit, but uh, a lot of the starting stories in the fandom, let's be honest, they had some lewd undertones at a minimum. <laughs> associated student bodies was incredibly not safe for work. And I know that there's this big conception in furry that you have to write sex to be successful or you have to draw porn to be successful. And I think if there was a major shift, it's that that's becoming not as necessary. I'm not going to say it doesn't help because, to be honest, the things that I have written that were lewd have sold better. I got to be honest there. But a lot of writers focus on these great series. They're out there winning literary awards and everything. And sex doesn't have to be as main of a component. I I also really love Kyle Gold. Like I own almost. I was, yeah, was going to say, like yes, I've read so many but, Kyle um, Gold. <laughs> but I I know a very large part of that is there's sex in the books and people like that. And I think because he is one of the most well known authors in the fandom, people suspect that that's such a necessary thing in furry. Mm -hmm. That's also not as true. I think it has changed a lot over the years that we're showing a lot of different stuff nowadays. So, oh, yeah, it's... I wonder, too, if the reason sex sells uh, as well isn't just because, like, people are horny. I'm sure that's one aspect of it. But I think another part mm -hmm. of it is that um, furry culture is very 
sort of touchy feely. And obviously there are artists that write a lot of that. Like, you know, in, in your in the story, there's a lot of like knowing the feeling of their fur or their ears or like the way they are physically. Um, but if you don't focus on that enough, I feel like for a lot of people, if they really want to get into the mindset of furry and they really want to like feel these anthropomorphic creatures, the easiest way to search for that is to search for porn stuff. Because you can just assume that if there's sex, that there's a lot of talk about that kind of stuff, about like the way things feel or the way the character is physically. Whereas like um I assume that there's there are a lot of writers that don't necessarily have to do the horny stuff, but can still spend a lot of time on like that touchy feely aspect of it, even if it means not as many people find it. Absolutely. I, I I can definitely say from the suggested reading list, because I helped try to populate that at first, which was whew, going through every single furry publisher and like self-publishers books that we could find was wild. But the largest sections are probably in Romance LGBT, like the, the two of them probably have the most books. But fantasy and sci-fi have always been huge for animals, too. And animal characters work not only great in there, but you get to do things like that, fur on armor, or especially in sci-fi, you get to have whatever other species you can imagine. There's so many fantastic things, and I would definitely agree that that's probably a reason a lot of people like the looter stuff, because, you know, you get to think about, that's what fur would feel like. Yeah, But yeah. I promise you if, you, if you take a chance and read something safe for work for everyone out there who, you know, maybe browses whatever website you like to browse for written furry porn, you will find some great stories and some of them also have porn on the side, which is just a bonus, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so another question I want to bring up is um, where are things going in terms of distributing and publishing material? Um, are, you, are you seeing more books sold or less books sold compared to like e-readers and stuff? Like, is there anything you're noticing in terms of how people want to consume this type of media? That's a great question. When the guild was originally founded, there wasn't honestly a way for people who even self-published to join the guild technically. Like the the guidelines changed. And even among the like behind the scenes right now, we're even discussing we need to update something so that people who are publishing their works through Patreon can easily join the guild. Because this is a thing now. The the scope of what how these things happen are definitely changing. But when conventions are on, of course, books still sell. They sell quite a bit. You'd be surprised. Right. <laughs> well, well, a lot of booksellers, when they go to conventions, do very, very well. And even some people who go there as like self-publishers, like I've mentioned Greg a few times, he does very good at conventions and gets to like directly talk to people. And that's an excellent thing. People will definitely buy ebooks too, but physical books still sell pretty well. I think part of it is because furry novels have awesome furry art on the front and not only do you get to read it you get to have something cool to display in your home potentially yeah and I, I think that works really well in our fandom and supports physical novels in a way that other books might not as well i know i i have a good collection of both because like there's sometimes when you're like yeah i want like the art and then there's other times where you're like i'm in public i don't want people to know i'm reading this furry smut right now yeah <laughs> Absolutely. And even then, I mean, now and then there's just sales on ebooks. And then like, I have a few series on my phone where it was like, well, I could buy every single one of the books right now. I'm just going to do it because they have that sale on those ebooks and like time to do it. It's, it's interesting. And books too, I will say that art compared to books in the fandom, of course, it's harder to get your written works out there. But 
there is a reason why there's a lot of high profile artists who get used for these book covers. Mm -hmm. You're yeah. going to find some really great stuff on book covers a lot of the time. And a lot of the times, even pictures inside, because we, we know that people want to see it. You know, it's it's very fun that way. And I I love that it can be something that people can explore furry through an entirely different way, because you can look at a picture and essentially consume it in a few seconds. Yeah. And it's sometimes harder to get someone to sit down and read a whole book. But believe me, we have plenty of novellas, people. You can read them in a day. Like, I, I wrote one and I'm selling it. Gas. But uh, All right, one, um, so many... we got one more question. Then we, and then we got to talk about your book, too. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, um, oh of course. Yeah. Well, then please what, ask the question. Uh, yes. Where does co comic or uh, cartoon fall into? Would you still consider uh, creators of cartoons and comics? in uh, part of the we, writer's guild or would they be separate as gosh body? i i honestly love this as a question it's been a debate for a long time to what i understand since the guild's founding right um <laughs> i've done a lot of trying to study the history of the guild to understand things that happened when i became president yay but um we actually have recently, when we were talking about Patreon, we started discussing that. And we even just started discussing visual novels because they're novels that involve a lot of writing. Should we be supporting them? And it's really interesting. We haven't had someone try to join the guild yet who purely for their visual novel. We do have a visual novelist who is a guild member. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I would like to lean towards yes, because while they are more art focused, you are obviously writing a story. Mm -hmm. And we even have people like Rick Griffin, who he's a member of the guild. He, he also writes books for those who don't know. Yeah. But like looking at the people who wrote something like Circles or whatever, I would I would love to have them come and join the guild. We just have to essentially figure out how to do it with our guidelines. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of bylaws and people having to vote for things. We did voting earlier this year and nobody likes having to deal with that. But we're essentially trying to set it up so next year we have it so it's way easier. But it, yeah. if you are listening and you like to draw comics or you write something different, look at the Join the Guild page anyway. We have something called an Associates Membership. We'll likely be able to make an exception while we figure things out. That's right. that's kind of the way we've been going for now, so we can have that whole official how we're going to do it thing. So a quick update: we we do have the name of the person who did the furry library. That was uh, Summer Cat on Twitter, who's at oh, Ben Gelly, uh, B E N G A L E Y on Twitter, uh, was uh, the person who has been working on the furry library, which is really cool. And then I got another potentially controversial one for you: uh, audiobooks. Ooh. Where are you guys at with that? Are you right. is that part of how you distribute things or help people with, or is that like kind of like a separate thing? We will absolutely help people with audiobooks. Just ask questions. I I have some personal experience. There's an audiobook uh, that's out for my own book. Several authors have been trying the audiobook format. It's not as common of a thing in furry, and I hope it becomes more common. I mean, I love listening to furry podcasts, like you know stuff like this when I'm on traveling or if I'm going somewhere. So I'd love to listen to my furry books too. There's more of them out there. They're usually done by the bigger authors, but if you find them by the smaller ones, it's usually them reading it, which is like a treat. I, I love that. <laughs> that uh, yeah, <laughs> that's nice. But yeah, we would absolutely help people with audiobooks. They're still books, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's just being read to help you. everybody. Yeah. Exactly. They still very much count. And honestly, like, if you didn't do audiobooks in, in like, school, you should. Yeah. Like, if you're like, oh, I gotta read this book, and then, like, you don't want to, just get an audiobook, and then... It yeah. takes not as I, much of the I mental. Was, oh, oh gosh, I was such a I was such a nerd back in high school. Like 
I would be in like two or three lit, lit classes at, t- at the same time. So to sometimes keep up with those, I would be listening to the one book as on audio as I read the other books to keep oh, up with God. classes. How How, I would not be able to do that. I would. My brain would just not work. Uh, I actually have to you visualize know, what I'm thinking when I'm reading things. So like, I'm I wouldn't for, be capable for of me. That. I can't. I can't even listen to music with like words when I'm trying to read. Like it's, I can have like any other kind of sound, but I can't have other words talking to me mm. when I'm trying to read something. Because <laughs> I just tone I it out. I can totally understand. I, I don't even know if I could do it very well anymore. But I just it was the only way I could keep up at the time. So I mean, you know, good good things to listen to are always wonderful. Absolutely, always be happy to help people with that. And mm. I mean, hey, there's there's voice actors in the fandom. They're usually smaller and harder to find, but you know, we can help connect you with people who will read books. I can try my best. Believe me, I will make, if you need a resource, I will find a way to make it. (laughs) All right. That's awesome. And, um, so tell us about your book because you're putting one out soon. And I know you kind of wanted to be able to plug that. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. I, I always, I mean, I want to help everybody, but let's be honest, I need to be a little selfish and try to pitch my book in general too. Um, what makes a witch is coming out on August 18th. It's currently up for pre-order. It's already got a bunch of positive reviews. You can find them on Goodreads on library thing and things like that, or on my website, LinneaCaps.com. Gasp. Okay. So now, now that we've done the pretty hard shilling here, um, <laughs> the general idea, <laughs> the general idea of the story is that we have a young rat. His name is Greer. We're in a fantasy world. Um, why don't I just read the blurb? That'd be so much easier. Yeah. And I have, I have the f- cover of the book on the screen too, so people can see that. Oh, marvelous. Um, Greer is a young rat thrown into a cruel world. Living on the streets, he finds sanctuary with Mistress Addison, a witch and enemy of the Grand Coven. Though only women can control the power of the ley lines, Mistress Addison defies those rules and agrees to take the young rat on as her apprentice. Starting his journey, Greer finds himself learning more about his own identity than how to cast spells. Follow him and see how his path unfolds and what makes a witch. And... In general, this is a novella. It's a short one. You can read this in a day and enjoy some furry lit in a day. This is going to be out on ebook. The pre-orders will only let us do the paperbacks, but you can read this. It's a short, sweet, really fun story. I really hope people are going to enjoy it. It was an absolute pleasure to work with Weasel Press to get this out there. There's, I would say that this book... I would call it young adults to any adults who are children at heart. Right, uh, right. Yeah. As a book. Um, there is actually a lot of books that we would consider technically young adult fiction within furry. So, which we have some on the suggested reading list, but uh, there's definitely something out there for everyone. So even if you're like, ha, huh, I'm going to sneakily convert my family to becoming furries. We have books for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I like it. Yeah. Like... <laughs> But that's that's part of why I wrote it. I I wanted a book that was shorter because I know how hard it is sometimes for people to pick up a giant chapter book with things going on. You could read this in a day if you wanted to, or you could read a chapter before bed and actually get it done within a reasonable amount of time. And I, I wanted a book like that for people. So I made it happen, essentially. <laughs> and yeah, we, Weasel Press, they're, they're one of the big publishers. Weasel is the big editor over there. No surprise with the name. He's been absolutely <laughs> Weasel's the editor at Weasel Press. <laughs> I know, right? So surprising. But Sometimes it makes me wonder why been... humans don't do that. Why don't we have human press? And there's a human who works there, you know? You'd think uh... <laughs> it goes both human, ways, right? Human it's called human. Yeah, human called human. Yeah, like, but they 
he's been absolutely wonderful and getting this out there i'm I'm really excited to share it with people i've i mean i've been published for years i've won some literary awards in my time but this is actually the first time i put out a fiction book proper so i really hope people enjoy it and check it out all right awesome yeah so what makes a witch and uh, and yeah pre-orders are available that's awesome um all right well i got um two more things for you so one all right what's next for you guys any goals any projects any milestones all right, I we we teased this on Twitter a little bit, but y'all get to hear this first. Ooh, we hey. are going to be hosting an online furry convention focused on furry lit. Ooh, some people who maybe followed, yes, yeah, some people who followed our newsletters might have heard that that's a thing. You can sign up for our newsletter, by the way, without being a member of the guild. Just contact me if you're really interested. We talk about whatever's going on every month, but the name which I also get to reveal to you all. It's going to be Oxford, comma, ha, 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 puns. Ah, uh, <laughs> thanks, Nico. When we tell puns, we ring a bell, so. Yeah, whenever there's a pun uh, on our show. That's yeah, why we, you heard a bell. We have a, we have a pun bell, yeah. <laughs> oh, so good, it's Oxford, good. comma. Uh, yes, Oxford, comma. Okay. Believe me, it took a lot of convincing for me to not make the mascot be a chameleon. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> But um, Oxford Comma will be running in October through the 17th and 18th. October is Furry Book Month for anyone who doesn't know. I know that that's not always a big thing that the fandom knows about. We have a whole book month. Ooh, it's a, book a month. thing that's been going on for years. So we're hosting that during Furry Book Month because I know you've heard it from everyone else, but with conventions, sales have really hurt. And uh. especially with booksellers, Oh, These yeah. things have really right, right. hurt people really hard. And a lot of people who make their living on commissions and who get those at conventions, especially written ones right now, are also having a really tough time. So we wanted to step it up and try to make something specifically to help them. We hear there may even be a couple books released like very briefly before it or right at that time to get excited about. We'll see if that works out for the publishers, because I know some publishers have had slower times. And heck, even with stuff with the USPS, Everything's really hard in the furry writing scene yeah, right it's, now. Uh, so. yeah, yeah, the whole world's <laughs> falling apart, you know? Um, and it's been a very tough time. So, like, I, I know a lot of people out there who've maybe never read a furry book. If you just remember to check that out, October 17th through the 18th, that's your first experience with it. We're going to have people doing readings, discussing writing. We're probably going to have a writing contest. I'm funding that myself. So, you know, I'm putting my money where my mouth is here. I really want this to be a great time for people. And I hope that people will show up for that. Other than that, the guilds, I guess, next big thing after that will be seeing if I'm elected next year. And <laughs> we, we do our voting every year. But in all seriousness, like the, the Coyote Awards, we run an awards program for books every year. And if you're a member, you can nominate and vote. And that's one of the big things that we do every year. And it's always awesome getting to see what amazing books came out each year. Awesome. And then uh, final thing. Do you have any advice for anybody? Any upcoming writers? I mean, I, I obviously one suggested is join the guild, become part of the community, and talk to people, get the resources. But um, any any just advice for people who are interested in this stuff uh, and want to get started? Well, yes, I can say I'm 100% biased because I am the president and a member of the guild. <laughs> but I yeah, highly, yeah. obviously, recommend joining the guild because we have all those resources. Okay. But for anyone who out there who wants to get started. I know it's hard to get your name out there if your focus is on writing. I know sometimes being on Fur Affinity or so furry, it's hard. Or even just Twitter, when you see a picture or something get hundreds to thousands of retweets and your story 
has a tough time. You got to keep writing and just keep writing. The more you have written, the more backlog you have, the easier it is for people to find you. And the more chance you're going to have of getting that lucky break where someone notices you for that one story and it really goes wild. Because, I mean, even Kyle Gold wasn't always a famous furry writer. Neither was someone like Greg Luderman or... Like, Greg is a great example. Rick Griffin had created a fictional universe and he just asked, hey, could I try to actually make this a real book? And now he's one of the top authors in our fandom. You just got to keep going, keep writing, and come talk to some people because I know how hard it is to sit down and write every day. And <laughs> I have to do it personally to, you know, keep up with getting my own stuff out. will help keep you motivated because especially right now that creative spark might be hard. But even if it's one word a day or a thousand words a day, any progress is still progress. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. No problem. I was super happy to be on. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. And uh, and guys, yeah, what makes a witch is uh, pre-orders are out. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll link people to that and stuff. Uh, we'll put it in our uh, in our show roundup and stuff so people can just tap the link. And uh, yeah, hopefully people check it out and enjoy awesome. it. Um, well, thank you very much for taking the time and uh, and also for just helping so many people. I mean, it's obvious that you guys have a, a great community going for you. And um, even uh, a couple of my friends who are part of the Furry Writers Guild um, say good things about it. So um, it's just awesome to, to actually hear from you guys. Ah, See, I love hearing that because I know sometimes people are going to be nervous to come up and talk to the president or something. So, like, I'm glad to hear that people enjoy it and think we're doing good stuff. <laughs> Which, yeah. please don't be afraid i'm just a normal person who volunteered for this job or whatever like yeah talk to me and to whoever else we love helping <laughs> all right well uh well thanks for calling in and, and joining our show and uh i hope you have a good night stay safe amidst all the craziness oh absolutely and y'all stay safe too good night all right um well that was awesome yeah mm -hmm. uh nico do you remember the book that she suggested to me the the comedy one i remember it no, no i can review what the, the what the fox what, what the, the fox. fox okay that's a great name actually for that all right uh so um well i try to do everything on one computer here because uh, my laptop is uh, actually the battery's doing okay but i still don't want to use it that much I should mention that Furcast is sponsored by TwinTailCreations.com. You can check them out at TwinTailCreations.com. We have coupon codes that get you up to 20% off on their adult silicone products. They make high-quality, durable, carefully made toys for reasonable prices. They come in all kinds of pretty colors, including ones that you can ask them to surprise you. In fact, I'm actually going to pause this, this B-roll video. And just like, look at, look at all the pretty... Look at, oh, so, they're so pretty. Anyway, they ship discreetly... Um, the credit card transaction, just TTC LLC. And the shipping, the box, just TTC LLC. Uh, same thing when they ship internationally on the, uh, on the customs paperwork. It says silicone sculpture. <laughs> Not like paperwork. Uh, they're also part of our community. They're in our chat room. They're a lot of times answering questions that people have. Um, so especially if you're curious about a product or uh, you're curious for recommendations, I guess, <laughs> you can always ask in our chat room. They're always in there. Um, and, of course, fans are encouraged to reach out about their experiences with that stuff. Um, we always have people randomly showing up in our chat room being like, guys, look what I got. And then they, like, use our Mercast bot and they share what they got, which is always funny. Um, we got a few people who are starting to, like, collect stuff now, uh, especially because they have a point system, uh, which can also get you a certain percentage off as well in addition to. Uh, or I don't know if it's in addition to. I'm not sure. But either way, you can get twin-tailed dick points. 
and you can <laughs> use those to help you get stuff or get you know money off on the shipping and stuff like that. Um, love is poured into every mold. I love reading that. Um, that's pretty much it. Thank you to Twin Tails for sponsoring Furcast and helping us out. Uh, we also have patrons on Patreon that help us out. So we're about to shout out those guys and we're going on a quick music break for our live show. Um, I have not had a chance to update our recording of the Patreon shoutouts completely. I was able to add a couple of them in there. Um, there's one or two that came in at the last minute that I just didn't have a chance to change. Um, so I'm going to read those in a second. Uh, we're also, Jesse and I have an idea for a really dumb gag that we're going to do. So we're going to update those next week. So I just want to apologize that I still haven't updated that. Um, but Grundy the Goat has changed their shoutout. It's message from Grundy the Goat. <clears throat> but that train keeps a rolling down the San Antonin. I think these are all lyrics that Grunny the Goat has us put in. Uh, shout out to Donut, uh, who I believe is Donut Wuff from WuffLabs.org. Awesome stuff. I always love seeing Donut and chat sharing all their nerdy things. So they're uh, on our Patreon as well. And uh, Reiner on Twitter. I think that one did make it into the update. Uh, is on Twitter at What's the Fuzz. So shout out to them. Thank you for becoming a patron of our show. That's pretty much it. Uh, we're going to go on a quick music break. So we'll be back in like... Probably like 10, 15 minutes. Something like that. Enjoy. You're listening to Furcast. Support for Furcast comes from Patreon users, including Shaman the Photon Wizard, Dexy Wexy, Faon, Energize the Wolf, Sweetie Darling, Barnaby Fox, Strike the Sergal, Frost Blaze, Anu Fox, Omega Zai, Mullock the Generic Brown Wolf, Cypher the Heckmutt, X the Fox, Binary Paws, Zavarkin, Firelion Coyote, Trinity Werefox, Lord Headcheese, Biohazard, Code Yaks, Fox Triple Seven, Fiasco, Red Eye the Roadie Red Lion, Tukiri, Lieutenant Fox, Calypso Collie the Fluffy Trucker, Mellow Wolf, Rit the Otter, Doxy, Zoopy the Barcode Kitty, Archaeus the Tiny Tiger, Horse Code Hooves Up, Alta Shep, Meru Snowmew, D Otter, Ski Sharp, Nick Liz, Nerd Hoof, Zenair the Mutt, Nether Lynx, Frost Wolgon, Jeb M16, Static the Scrap Goat, Taru the Yellow-Nosed Doggo, Cronass, Jax the Husky, Fuzzy the Fox, No Name Horse, and Gaia Wellen. Additional support comes from social media. Twitter users, Commander Wolf 3, Kazro Fox, Drop Table Foxes, Perp, House Tier, Anti Blue Fox, Onyx Fox 23, BBQ Skunk, Rivik, Wolf, John Crescent, Kaz, The Dreg, Wolvern 4, Nate Blueberry 13, Bell Platagon, Jared Tamana, Ziv Fox, Cyrus SL, Crossy on Twitter at XSSFox, The Other Commander Wolf on Twitter at ForWolf99, Reiner on Twitter at What's the Fuzz, Brother Rat on Twitter at Ratus Spiritus, Zelig on Twitter at Stealthy Dragon, Trashcat Danny on Twitter at Trash Danny. Twelve on Twitter at The Lion Thing. Shua on Twitter at Pulsing Panther. Dakota Winter on Twitter at Dakota Wolf Twelve. Telegram user Sorcerer Dale. YouTube channel Joe G Bear. And the following websites: MacroWolf.com, Harihu.com, Hack13.me, Superdwarf with Anthrolinks.net and Devin D. Partlet with FurryHockeyLeague.com. Additional support for FurCast comes from 
Shishishepi, who's a good boy. For head bases and 3D printed goods, commission Tar Paw Studios at Alice Tar on Telegram. Silver Moonshine, maker of fluffy tails. Fisk Games, the new furry YouTuber on the block. At AlecGator300 on Twitter, creating pixel arts and being a filthy hybrid since 2012. Tantru, with World in Rue View, providing fandom news since 2015. Honorius, who says, one more cheese joke and someone's getting bored. Spurix, one of the only Ethiopian wolf degenerates in all of furry land. Scar the Fur on YouTube, giving you bite-sized, detailed furry history. Kilo the Proto-Yote, who says, Jesse is the best kitty. Cody Big Cat, with Cody's custom auto and truck accessories. Come see us today at 625 East 1st Street in Vidalia, Georgia, for all your auto accessory needs. Light and Shadow, the wolves keep furry possum. Patty, who says, what Socks says is true. Socks, who says, what Patty says is not true. A message from at Grundy the Goat. <clears throat> I'm stuck in Folsom prison, and time keeps dragging on. Donran, munching those pizzas and writing those tunes. For an invite to the unofficial Furcast Minecraft server, message at Sashahina on Telegram. KobeCats.com, take a bite out of art. We know you're hungry, so come get your paws and maws on a delicious piece of burger-priced art. Ryko's Furry Fortune Telling, on Telegram, at Obsidian Fox. Saucy Fox, who says, I'm trash. Raccoons, HMU. Checkers the Dragon, chess is my safe word. Fishmeister Cod, still not a furry since February 2011. Nightly, at snouts.online, who says, I want to see this community grow beyond meets and conventions. Permanent furry commune, when? Max Shepard, who has been watching since the bacon felony. Nianwaf, who says, Oreo is a very good boy. Little underscore sunshine and Scoo Talu with the unofficial XBN Xbox app at patreon.com slash horse apps. Furcast's number one wimpy fan, Tyler the Wesky. Shaki, the maid lord of Nordic Fuzzcon. Visit the Maid Cafe at Nordic Fuzzcon in Sweden. Chris Tail on FA, specializing in Tuni art. The Church of Iswar, worshiping links since the year Tuft. Rose Iron Husky, smell those sweet, sweet welds. Skycorp, creating transformative technologies for mature audiences at skycorp.global. Check out the SoCal Shepherd Show wherever you get your podcasts. Disc Cookie, creating procedural beatmaps for VR rhythm games. Karenos, who says, Circles are quite friendly and nice, actually. Tequin, TC Fox, and Kaiwana of the Infrasec Den in Wellington, New Zealand. At Equinox on Twitter, who says, Remember kids, neigh loudly, squeak often. Sylvan Scott, Grey Muzzle, Sorta Rider, and Tabletop Gamer. On Fur Affinity as Sylvan, with size-related stories and other speculative fiction. Shadowclaw Studios. Check out our Facebook page for links to our gaming streams. The Feline Support Alliance. A good kitty is a bitey kitty. Check it Airlines. We always land on our feet. Silver Gatoman at patreon.com slash silvergatoman. Cheetah Paws for a daily dose of bulgy arts. Support him at patreon.com slash cheetahpaws. And a very special, special thanks, thanks to Blaze Fusky and Decibel Fox. Fox.
Support for Furcast comes through Patreon, PayPal, cash donations, and from listeners like you. To become a patron and learn more about supporting Furcast, visit furcast.fm slash support. This is XBN. Yo, welcome back, everybody. All right, phone lines are open because we don't really have a news segment because that was kind of Pharaoh's thing and he's off for a bit. So I was thinking uh, for the next like just five, 10 minutes, I want people to call in with ideas or plans or what they are doing during COVID. Some kind of like a project or a hobby or something because this is what Maruski and I have been talking about lately is like, we're doing okay, you know, some struggles here and there, but like for the most part, we're mainly just like bored and we're trying to come up with something that's like productive to do or work on. I, I guess it, it doesn't have to be productive. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be productive. Because what we've been trying to do is not to feel guilty for watching Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Or like enjoying yourself. Yeah. Mm. Or playing a story driven game. Yeah. For... I'm the type of person I, where like when I've... I play a video game, I feel guilty. You guys are so weird. I, I mean, I've been getting back to single player games now. It's yeah, like, that's good. You know, it's it's it is storytelling. It is almost. You're, like you're a talking bug. to someone who's played way too much League, where, <laughs> okay, that I think is okay, but unproductive. Uh, but oh, you're, well, duh. Uh, no, I, I would say <laughs> though. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You are spending time with friends. Yeah, though. it's talking with a group of people. I wouldn't yeah. say it's it's always positive. I know they might be listening. Hey guys, we're not always positive. We're not. <laughs> we're usually not very positive towards each other. Um, uh, we, uh, my friends and I swore a bunch playing Rainbow Six Siege yesterday, so I, um, I'm also guilty. Um, okay, yeah, but like, imagine that times, like, for 45 minutes to an hour usually, on one game where everyone's about the same, just like, <sighs> um, yeah, it, it's it's it, we usually go bad. Mm. Hey Bailey, I know you said that you started listening now, so we get salty. <laughs> And it's bad. But, and like, if anyone is listening to us, it makes no sense. Because oh yeah. like, if you don't know League Linguo, yeah, it's like, oh, go bot lane, go bot lane. Oh, they're they're ganking over over there. Oh fuck. And like, if you're just listening, you're just like, what are they talking about? Things yeah. are happening. Yeah. <laughs> wow. No, oh, he's got. We tilted so hard. What what does that mean? Yeah, I feel like Par- um, paradox. I got a question for you. What, what is tilted? What is tilted? Yes. Uh, is that an armor thing? No. <laughs> okay, then I don't know. Tilted a magic what, mode? Not even. Tilted means when you are so mad at something, you're playing worse. Ah, uh, that's, uh, that's so like think wow. about because you have to stay level and level is that, headed. Is it unique to that game? I don't think so. Okay, I was gonna. You say. have to stay level headed, but then when you get mad, you're tilted. So it's like you're throwing something. You're thro- throwing something once again. Throwing something means that you're losing it, like hard. So let's say you were winning a game, and like, oh, that person threw it. That okay. person lost the game because he, he tilted or something like that. I, I see what you're saying. There are so many things that are related to each other. Wow. Because I, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, I play golf with friends uh, at night sometimes. Um, a lot of times, Maru joins, and like, it's such a shitty game, mm-hmm. and there's no productivity in it at all. But like, you're you're socializing, you're having fun. So like, I can justify that. If anything, I think that's part of the stress. Is it because I'm so isolated? I feel like I constantly need to spend time with like my internet friends, mm-hmm. and I I don't like me sitting down by myself to just enjoy a movie. I feel guilty because it's mm-hmm. like I'm not socializing and I'm already isolated enough and then I'm not being productive and then it's like and it's just this weird thing where it's like I need like a hobby or a project or I feel like if I'm not learning something mm. tilted like, apparently is a poker term thank you Bailey hey oh. by the way Bailey you tilt harder than all of us combined mind you in the last couple of games you did really well but oh hmm. the, the other another term would be like feeding Feeding. Which is, you're feeding the enemy team kills. <laughs> feeding. So, like, you keep dying, and then the enemy team is getting fed. Yeah. Because they have a lot of kills, so then they have more gold than you, so they're doing more damage than you. And I, mean, I would assume that's a common issue on, it is. on that game. I mean, it's not. It shouldn't be a common issue, but it can be. But yeah. Bailey gets tilted because <laughs> he says, like, oh, I got, like, I died, like, twice, and mm-hmm. I'm feeding. That feeding's, like, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Twice is just normal. Yeah. And we tell them that. But yeah. We need... Yeah. Phone lines open if anybody wants to call. I guess if people want to talk about something else, they can as well. Hey, Bailey, you should call so we can talk about League. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and then, like, like, all these other... You haven't talked to anybody here, so... Yeah. Well, it's also just, like, weird because we're... Like, Maruski and I, we're trying to, like, go outside and, like, take walks every day mm-hmm. and do that. I enjoy that. Yeah, and I do enjoy that. Keeps me healthy. I know Let's Bluegrass see. and I take a lot of walks, but we play po- Pokemon Go as we do it. Well, yeah, but that, it's that's still, fine. It's still a thing. You know, some motivation, you know, like, um, I think for me, it just comes down to, like, I need to know that I'm at least moving around a little bit yeah. and doing something. But we're still trying to come up with, like, something to do outside, which when you don't have anybody to hang out with, it can be a, a little weird and a little rough. But, uh, hey, we got uh, somebody on the line. What's up? You're live. Okay, so you were talking about ideas and stuff to do well during this whole COVID stuff mm-hmm. going on, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I've been doing is I've had a lot of my close friends that live near me. And so it's like, you're always tinkering with crap all the time. Why don't you just make videos about it? So that's what I'm trying to do now. I've bought some mini, uh, old mini, the mini series of Lenovo boxes on eBay. because they're like 120 bucks. And I'm turning it into like a mini home server setup on a budget type deal. and showing off different things you can do with it. That's kind of what I'm doing with my COVID time. Yeah, I've kind of thought about doing, um, like, color grading tutorials for video or um, maybe, like, photography. I thought about, like, live streaming me doing photography, like, Photoshop and Lightroom type of work where people can kind of ask questions and I can kind of show off how to do certain things. And so it's, like, half tutorial, half just me hanging out. And But that way, like, I'm being productive and I'm being social. But, you know. No, yeah, that, that's, that's the whole reason why I'm trying to do this is I've... My day job is managing Unix servers all day, but I get to manage servers running basically old stuff. Don't get to play with the new shiny, and I like to stay up to date with the new and shiny. So building out a home lab and want to try some like Kubernetes clustering stuff and figure, you know, showing it off, teaching others about it and whatnot could be cool as well as I learn with others. Huh. Yeah. Have Paradox, have you ever made a walkthrough tutorial or like just overview over like your server rack? Never? No, I haven't. I mean, well, I mean, I've made videos about like the studio before, mm-hmm. but I don't know. And only because I guess part of it too is that <clears throat> so, like, in particular with 
with video color grading. Um, you know, so you're taking like cinema cameras, you know, red cameras, uh, Canon C200, um, you know, Alexa, whatever, trying to grade the video footage. There are so many tutorials on YouTube of that that are wrong. <laughs> like people have no clue what they're doing in video editing software. It's really funny, actually. But I kind of assume that I'm just as clueless, even though I'm watching tons of tutorials and I'm trying to learn and like I'm trying to get into it. And like right now I'm learning like Asus color grading. But just because it's fun and I, I think it's cool. It's like a cool tech. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like it would be bad for me to make a tutorial because although like it'd be cool to talk about the fact that I'm learning it, I also don't trust myself. I kind of assume that I'm just as lost as all the other people making shitty tutorials on YouTube. And so I'm like, I don't know, you know, and it's but like, that's the point. That's the point. Right. I guess it's just to say like, I don't really know what I'm doing, you know, uh, yeah. Just just be honest and be like, we're, I'm going to do this and we're going to watch together and see what's going on. And yeah, I would also love to see something a little more detailed than what you showed before. I've watched the uh, Telegram channel you have where it shows off stuff in the studio. Yeah, you the haven't updated your XBN. Cabinet. Oh, I, I haven't updated that in a while. I got to do that. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to see some more about that. And also what, what, what you're monitoring with HTOP over there in the corner. Oh, that's the uh, that's the transcoding server. Um. I put it up there just so that there's something on that monitor that isn't nothing, because what runs on that computer is uh, Casper, which does our graphics. It's like the, the graphics that are on screen. That's actually what's running on that computer over there. But then because that doesn't look like anything, I put up HTOP. Uh, and the reason I do that is because I can easily see if our uh, transcoders fail or if they die um, from over here. So like I can see the monitor and I can be like, oh, look at that. Transcoder's running because you can see like, you know. Right. Well, kind of, I'm trying to say is like that's what I find so cool, and I'd love to see something like that. I think a lot of people would like to see that. Just the whole only thing that I've recently seen that you've done was with the whole uh, redoing of the displays. That was kind of cool. Oh yeah, I mean um, yeah. But but if you did something that actually explains what's in the actual closet or attic crawl space that you have set up where your servers are, the only thing I've ever seen you say is like, "This is the box that does this. This is the box that does this," and the cable that's going down there is connected to my computer in my room for graphics because the gpu or something now now it's up here that <laughs> uh, used that used to be down there that's marusky's room now so yeah yeah he's a kitty yeah. he has his own his own room a box. but no that's just my thought is like show off some of the stuff you know about the color grading stuff i know that you're really all about that i see you posting about it all the time in the telegram chat and so like i think that'd be cool like so the reason i'm doing what i'm doing is law friends are just like I think it's kind of cool what you do. Just record and show off what you're doing. I think people would be interested. So maybe you should do the same. Yeah, I've thought about that. Um, I, I have also, I used to have a diagram of the studio. Somebody in chat just asked. Um, and uh, I haven't updated it in a long time, though, since I migrated to a Dante system. Um, primarily because when you have a Dante system, it's hard to really graph that because it's all virtualized. So it's like, it used to be like this connects to this and this connects to this and this wire goes over here. Whereas now it's literally just one blob of like virtualized, you know, everything's just on like a network and can talk to each other. So it's like, I guess I could put a switch and then draw a bunch of Ethernet cables. But, <laughs> you know, it's like it's less interesting. So I'm like trying to think about how to, how to update that. I don't think it's less interesting. I think it's still just as interesting. I mean, uh, maybe you can't draw like a graph, but you could easily go in and explain more how it does. I know you talked kind of shorthanded about it on, I can't remember if it was actually on the show itself or if it was something that you posted to the Telegram chat of a channel, not chat. Yeah. But 
I think it'd be cool because I, I, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. You can virtualize your entire audio setup. Not surprised that you can at this point. You can virtualize everything. My home lab currently, before these little mini computers arrive, is just on a big old desktop that's OP that just runs hundreds of VMs. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy what you can do these days. It's getting that way with video too, but right now, the only way to do that is with lossy stuff. There, there are, there is like a SMPTE standard for routing raw like SDI frames over a network, but you need like ten, you know, forty gigabit networking to do it, and it's just a lot of re- like it's not practical. Whereas audio has basically gotten to the point where it is you can do like lossless sample accurate audio over a network in real time with just cheap commodity hardware, like you know your basic Ethernet switch that you buy on, you know, Amazon or whatever. So it's like, that's, that was kind of the reason I went in that direction, but it's always exciting to see like what's coming up in the industry, like as things get easier and easier and, uh, and video is always a little bit behind audio in that regard, but yeah, yeah. Only last thing I want to bring up, cause I know that usage of networking, have you got to play with those fancy new Unify switches with the AR overlay? I'm not sure. I just literally yesterday spent the entire day installing Unify switches at a, at a client. Um, and they were the ones that yeah. have a little screen on them. Yeah, so those like... are the ones that support it. Okay, interesting. I've not, I've not so actually yeah, seen... It'll bring, yeah, you, if you have an app, they have, their videos are all over my Twitter because I guess I looked up at Unify stuff not too long ago to update my home networking and bombarded with their ads. But they've been bragging about this new AR tech. Like you scan the QR code in that little screen with their app. And then you just move along the actual switch it itself and it like highlights what everything is and draws like little pictures of what is supposed to be in each port. It's kind of cool. That is really cool. Wow. Um, I'm looking for. Uh, here we go. Uh, let me see. Uh, oh, that's the boot up sequence. I've got a uh, video of one booting up, but let me see. Um, somewhere in here, I have a GIF of me playing with the screen. Um, on them. <laughs> They're really cool, though. But yeah, okay, I'll have to look into that. I haven't... Uh, I install Ubiquity yeah. stuff all day, but I haven't actually... It's been... Every once in a while, you got to go to their website and actually see, like, okay, what are they doing now? Because it's like it changes all the time. Um, well, see, I just need to really upgrade my home network because as I'm expanding and adding more systems to it right now, my entire network setup is a, a, one of the little Eros plugged into a Netgear switch and I have one port left and I have three computers coming. Yeah. <laughs> Need to upgrade. But yeah, no, that, those are just my suggestions. I, like I said, find something like your color grading or talking about the studio or something like that and just cover it. I think that's honestly one of the coolest things I, I find right now that there's just a lack of new content or content that's interesting and i think that's why a lot of youtube channels are doing really well these days and whatnot is just because people want to see something else since they can't do anything themselves so just new content is something i think that would be great yeah i've got the other uh, video playing on on screen right now by the way of the of the switch so you can see that in a minute but yeah I, that's kind of yeah, why i've delay. thought about doing some more youtube stuff as well because um it's getting to the point where uh you know podcasting is really great when you have a commute or when you're in the car or when you need something in the background. But it's like, when I think of the stuff that I enjoy, you know, it's really easy to make you like anytime I do anything on YouTube, I notice that, um, 
I can enjoy it later. Like I can go back a month from then or a year from them and, and, and rewatch like something that I put on YouTube. Whereas like, I can't remember the last time I went back and like listened to an old podcast or something that even if I enjoyed it, you know, I'd listened to a lot of podcasts and there's some that I'm like, wow, that was a really good episode, but it's like, I'm probably never going to hear it again. Um, and so for, for the replayability, but also the ability to share stuff. Cause like, it's really easy to say to a friend, Hey, check out this five minute YouTube video, but it's really difficult to say, Hey, listen to this hour and a half long podcast, mm. you know, like, it's, no, I agree. And, and so I'm trying to think of like, what are other things that I can do? Like, you know, I still do forecast, but what are other things I could do too, that are like easier to share and enjoy with people? Cause podcasts are kind of a very personal thing. Like it's mostly just something you listen to privately in the background. Right. You know, it's not podcasts aren't really a group maybe our live shows are, but I don't think too many people, you know, get their friends together and <laughs> watch a pod, you know, <laughs> listen to a podcast, you know? Yeah, no, that, that's probably not too much of a thing. <laughs> I mean, back in 1950s, people gathered around the radio as a family. But even then it was live, that, you know, yeah. live is different than, you know, here's an hour and a half long MP3 file that you just downloaded. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I don't know. No, yeah. The only people I know that's kind of like that is where um, one of my partners lives right now. Well, him and his other partner uh, are uh, out in the middle of nowhere. And the only Internet option they have is satellite. And so kind of what they do is they drive into town, download everything on their phone, and then go home and stream it later. Download internet. Well, it's funny because I actually had a fan of my music show. And uh, and I feel really bad because my, on my music podcast, when we release an episode, you know, it might be like six, seven hundred megs an episode, right? And right. I had a, a gigabyte. Yeah, or sometimes it's even more, right? Which, you know, not bad for five hours of audio, high-quality no. audio. But still... Uh, there's a guy, actually one of Maruski's friends as well up in uh, Kale. Was it Kale? Yeah. Oh, I thought there was. A, I thought it was. There was another furry up in Hamilton or area, or maybe it was more toward London. Well, anyway, um, they also like had no internet at home, and so they would like drive to a local like McDonald's or whatever, and they oh, would. Revic. Was it Revic? Yeah. Uh, shout out to Revic. Um, you'd go to like a local McDonald's or a local Tim Hortons or whatever, and would like download the one gig episode and then take it back home, and like that was their experience with the internet. It's like, that's amazing. I mean, well, actually, it's not amazing. It's terrible, but <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? It's, it's terrible, yeah, but amazing. It's yeah. it's one of those things where it, it just goes to show, like, even today, it, it's still a huge problem, probably not just in the U.S., but in other countries, too, where it's just so hard to get internet everywhere. In rural, yeah, in the middle of yeah. nowhere places. How about you make a 256 kilobyte version of uh, FNT? Well, I've thought download. about I've thought about releasing like maybe low bitrate Opus, Opus versions. Either Opus, oh, yeah. uh, AAC would be another contender just because of its high compatibility and it's also a more modern codec. Um, we could also do like um, we could also do like HEAAC where you can do like 64K, but mm. still reasonable. You know, something that somebody could play on a phone or a Bluetooth speaker and it would work just fine, yeah. kind of thing. We've thought about it. Um, I've also thought about releasing lossless versions, um, although that's a little difficult because A, the download's huge, um, which I know some people wouldn't mind, but the other thing is, uh, like, FLAC in particular doesn't seek very well when you have, like, a, you know, when the file is several gigs, it doesn't, like, most... Morbus, which upsets me, too. Yeah, um, there's, um, I mean, obviously I could release, like, uncompressed lossless, like, you know, AIFF or something, but then I don't know if that would support chapter tagging. Um, and that's the other issue is like, what's weird is uh, 
like the MP uh, or M4A container for AAC actually is really good. It actually supports like chaptering and, and proper tagging and everything. And it's really well like documented. But what's funny is a lot of audio players don't support it. And then meanwhile, MP3, which is a total hack job of a fucking container, barely allows for chaptering. And yet a lot of apps support it, I guess, because of podcasts. I, I think it's just because it's such an old standard and the people who run the copyright just let it expire. And now it's considered essentially anyone can use and yeah it's even been treated like that since the other days like what did everyone trade their music around illegally with mp3 mp3 yeah well and not to mention that the the reference like open source encoder which is lame is one of the best encoders so and and you know for like my music show we're releasing those episodes at such a high bit rate that it's already passed what I would call the ideal transparency threshold where it really doesn't matter what codec you use. You're throwing away so little data that it it's basically indistinguishable. Um, but yeah, I, we should think about releasing lower quality versions. Yeah, I mean, I think that'd help for, like I said, the friends that I enjoy. Like one of them says he just stopped watching Furcast, the, one, uh, the partner of my friend, Semi Metamore. Uh, he, he said he just stopped watching Furcast. He loves the show, but it's just too big to download. And he wants the video version. I don't blame them. <laughs> um, As the guy who makes it, that, I don't blame him. Uh, just one other thing. As we were talking about, I said record stuff, talk about stuff. Just talk about it. You see in the IRC chat right now that there's a couple people are just like, I want a more understanding of what we're talking about. So, yeah. Hey. I got, I got to do more forecast tech episodes, too, because uh, we did get some good you feedback do. on those. And oh, but by the way, that's the other problem in terms of like creative things to do. I'm, I'm venting here. Uh, that's the other thing that kind of sucks about podcasting is that like we'll release a forecast episode, right? And it'll get, you know, 2000 downloads and you hear nothing. Like it just kind of disappears into the void. And I know that like, there's a lot of connections. There's a lot of people downloading it, but like when you have a live show and you have a chat room, you have this like fantastic connection with people. You have people calling in, you have the interactions, even on YouTube, it's like you can share it with people. There's YouTube comments and stuff. Whereas like podcasting, like you put stuff out and like, you know, people might be listening in their car thinking like, yeah, this is pretty good. But like, you're never going to hear anything from them. You know, there's like, there's no connection kind of. And that's, it's kind of rough because it's like you can do something and it's very difficult to gauge. I mean, I guess you can beg people to take a survey um, sometimes, you know. You know, I hate those, but, but I do want who does the, yeah, it's like, it's, so I don't know. It's like, it's one of those, it's a difficult thing to figure out. The other way is like some of the podcasts, I know you listen to some of the JB stuff. I hear you talk about it. And yeah. of course, some of the stuff that's broken off from JB now, but, um, some of the stuff that they do, like their ask SSH show or no, sorry, that got discontinued self-hosted now. Um, one of the cool things is they're constantly asking for feedback about what they should talk about or what they talked about. Um, so I guess in your show, ask for feedback. Cause I feel like a lot of podcasts are not asking for feedback and yours, the, 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 the tech ones that you've released don't really ask for any sort of feedback. It's That's going true. We're hey. going to talk about a bunch oh. of stuff because we're nerding out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, basically. paradox. What? You should, you should do like a, uh, prize draw system <laughs> where if you answer a survey, you have like one in hundred chance of getting like a forecast sticker. Something, yeah. I don't know. Sticker. But anyway, well, we'll, uh, well, thank you for calling in and, yeah, uh, and no talking problem. nerdy with us. Um, I hope yeah. you stay safe amid COVID. You as well. Bye. All right. 
Um, I just realized we had some emails that we didn't get to, but that's okay. We'll have them for next week. We'll have week. extra emails for yeah. next time. Because we, we had the interview for this one. Yeah, we, we, got, a, we got to stockpile things. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to stockpile the emails, and next show will be an email show. Yeah. Uh, while we wait for another caller, just to answer some questions in chat, uh, what about Opus versus MP3? So Opus is better than MP3 at low bit rates. At high bit rates, it really doesn't matter. The only problem is Opus is 48 kilohertz only, uh, which requires a resample and potentially means lower quality listening on the client's end, depending on their resampler. Um, especially because the music isn't 48k. Um, and then, uh, so excited about TrueNAS Scaly. It's TrueNAS ZFS KVM. Oh, okay. Sounds fun. Oh, Hack13 did a video on KVM. Very nice. Nerd. Anyway, if anybody else wants to call in and talk about what they're doing during COVID, what their fun is, and then we'll, we'll call it a night after that. Come on, Bailey. Yeah. We'll take like one more call. Uh, both the phone number and uh, Discord works. I really want that green curry from the Thai food place. Yeah, it's too They're closed now. Yeah. So is Denny's. God, I miss. I know. I could go for like cheese sticks. I'm very hungry. Yeah. So Denny's would have been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What time what? is it? It's probably, it's probably not. We can do a pizza after this. Hi, Dirk. Yeah. yeah. Hey. All right. Well, uh, Dirk uh, says you're a nerd. Who says I'm a nerd? Dirdog. Dirdog? Oh. Uh, yeah, thanks, Durdog. Thanks. For Are you that. listening? Yeah, it's yeah. Dur message me Dur, and call me I, bitch cakes. I miss no. I miss Dur. Did Dur message me? Mm, no. Wow. Wait, did not message me, Durdog. Well, he called you a nerd. Oh, yeah, that's true. I miss I miss Dur. I loved having Dur and Skylar on. That was awesome. Those were good times. Mm. Act 13, I miss going out to eat. We've been trying to get a lot of, like, takeout, especially to the local uh, Asian food restaurant. We've been really trying to support them because we really like them. And so we're like, hey, yeah. let's get, like, fried rice a bunch because it's, like, pretty cheap and we want to support them. I really love that little uh, container booth. Yeah, yeah it's nice. The little airlock that yeah. they have yeah, for takeout. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> They literally like open like they open a door, put the food in, and then close the door, and then you open the door on the other side and take it out. It's like it's great. They did a really good job on it. Oh dear, he sent me a voice message. Uh oh. He sends me voice messages too sometimes. Hold on, I'm gonna listen. Okay. Yes, I am actually listening. And um it's kinda of funny. I did message Paradox because he was like going off on his nerding moment. But uh, I figured I'd message you guys because you might cut him off and call him a nerd for me. I wanted to. If you texted it like a second earlier, I would have completely cut cut both of you, all three of you off. Because I'm like, I have, I can't, I don't have nothing I can talk about. (laughs) So I'll just call you guys nerds. Also, Dur, are you taking a shower? Yeah, he is taking a shower. He's probably, yeah. I know know a lot of people who listen to podcasts in the shower. I listen to things in the shower. But... Hmm. Usually music because I can't hear every single word or something. I usually take no more than ten minutes in the shower. Yes, I know. Because I'm like, I can't really. <laughs> you take short showers. You take long showers. Yep, I usually take long showers. The only time I take short showers is if I'm late for work and I just mm. need to get my hair wet, and then I'm in and out real fast. But most of the time, if I'm in the shower, I'm it like, was, I'm in there for a while. It was so funny because I'm used to you taking long showers, and I'm used to like opening the door. I'm like, okay, here the shower. Close the door. Open again like ten minutes later. Yep, it's Paradox, okay? I got time to do anything. Um, Bluegrass came into my room. He's like, how long does he take a shower for? I'm like, like, like <laughs> a couple hours or so. He's like, well, not a couple oh. hours, but 
I, I, I think I, the longest I take is probably not. It's not minutes. usually a couple hours, but it feels like a long time. Yeah. Well, in the morning, it can also be long because then if I get out of the shower and then I'm shaving and then I brush yeah. my teeth and then I'm doing yeah. everything else. So, paradox, you usually take shower at like 10 a.m. And that's usually when I start my TV show, MASH. And MASH is about 43 minutes. You walk in, you take a shower, and about two minutes remaining in the show, you come out, go through my room. So yeah. your average... So it's probably about 30 minutes for the shower, shower. and then another 10 minutes of... Yep. of yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Also, Durr wants me to talk about his underwear. Oh. Durr, Durr, you have nice underwear. I don't know what you want me to say, but you have nice underwear. I appreciate it. He does. Ding. Durr, Durr you have nice bulge. Yeah, Durr, you're really hot. All right. I noticed the underwear more, but... I also appreciated the one time when he was on the show and he was in his underwear and then he was about to go change out. But then I was like, I made a comment of like liking it. And he's like, well, I'm not going to change now. <laughs> and I'm like, be teasing. Yeah, that was fun when he was on the show. That was good. I miss those guys so much. Mm. Uh, last time I saw him was, I don't remember. Or Fluffle maybe? The drive-in movie theater, isn't? were they there? No, he wasn't there. Yeah, because oh. like, um, they're doing another drive-in. Did you see the movies they chose? No. Um, Onward, the Disney one, and Parasite. Ooh. That's such a weird combination of movies. That is such a weird combination. Because Onward is like, oh, it's so happy. And yeah. like like the ending, like I know you haven't seen it, but the ending is actually pretty good. Um, as Parasite's like, I don't like it. I mean, you it was a good like movie. It. but Hey, Dirt Dog is in, uh, is in chat. I Dirt. loved it. It felt a little too real. That's it's why a movie. Like it's it. a movie that's supposed to be feeling like that. Uh, also, in what realistic like scenario do you know that like an entire family can lie to a family to jump in, like just become everything? I mean, I know a furry group that like works for. It's not the most realistic. Company. It's. I love it, but your reaction to it drove me crazy. Like, you were just like, eh. I was like, how? You were like, it was okay. I'm like, how? What was no, okay? I, I didn't say it was okay. That, that's I, my excuse with everything. Like, I know, but I was like so passionate. because so, like, I loved that movie and it was really good. What movie? Oh, uh, Parasite. Parasite. Oh, Parasite, yeah. That was good. And, no, like, I, and he was just like, it was okay. No, I, I didn't said, like it. I, I said, I wouldn't want to watch it again. Yeah, and that's what also threw me off. I'm like, I could yeah. watch this again. Not maybe like right in that second, but... I could watch it again right now. Because it feels so eerie after I yeah. finished it. Because, like, uh... Watch some... Like, it's the only... Not that many people died. Only, like, a couple. Five? Well, no, a couple. One, two. I'm not going to name names for four, people. Four. Four died. For people who, um... Well, I think it's, um, the thing that got me about Parasite, I mean, incredible filmmaking. The thing that got me was that I was expecting it. And again, I'm, I'm spoiled by shows like Dark on Netflix and Mr. Robot and stuff like that. I was expecting it to be more complicated, but it's one of those movies that it doesn't really leave you with any questions. Like, you might have something to talk about, but, like, a lot of the TV shows and movies and stuff that I watch, when I finish, I'm like, what? Wait, what? And then mm -hmm. I have to, like, look it up online and be like, wait, so does that mean this or this? And then people are, like, interpreting all these things. Whereas, like, that movie was one of those, like, it, it it's very clear what yeah, happened. Yeah, it's not. Like, there's no question. It's not like an art movie where it's like, what does that, what does that symbolize? What is that? What does that mean? What is the meaning of that? It's just like. Yep. It's yeah. a story. It's a very good story. It has 
some things where it's like, what does that mean? Like a couple like little things. I feel like that. And there's yeah. there's a whole lot of parallels that are going on. Mm. Like, I was thinking that the in my opinion the the um motto of Parasite was that everyone's faking it to some extent. Like a little bit. Yeah. That was what I kind of got out of it, I, along with obviously the the income inequality mm-hmm. comments. But I, I feel like a lot of what it was trying to point out is that like everybody is uh, in in their own way is a fraud. Like the people at the top are fa- are completely faking it. The people at the bottom are faking their way. Like everybody's faking their way mm-hmm. in in a system that is just you know it makes no sense who's rich and who's poor basically. We won't talk about the of... details of the plot because if you want to watch it, I yeah. highly recommend it. Fantastic film. Fantastic. You gotta get used to subtitles though, because it's all subtitles. Mm. Yeah. I wanna watch the movie uh, made by the same producer. Uh, what was it? Okja? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah or the Netflix one? Yeah, the Netflix yeah. one, but you didn't wanna watch it because it's too. Yeah, uh, it's just not my type of movie. Life of Pie ish. Yeah. Um, I've been very happy with Dark on Netflix. I have to start season three soon. Um,. Okay, do you want to watch Interstellar tomorrow? Uh, maybe. Um, do you want to watch Interstellar tomorrow? <laughs> it hurts my brain, but I could. Um, but I'll say for Interstellar, Paradox, just for you going in, um, hmm. it's science fiction, yeah. but based in physics and like based in real life physics. Okay. So, and... I just started... Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah. Um, Interstellar is dense. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting that. Like... I'm very dense. There's there's a lot of human emotion going on in like the middleish endish part. Okay. So be I'm, prepared for that. I'm sure I'll handle it. Not a lot of blood gore stuff, so you'll be fine with things. But yeah. it's just that's right. That's right. Dark on Netflix is like it is. They do not give you any time to like. Like, you know how in a lot of movies there'll be, like, a scene that doesn't necessarily develop the plot, but it just helps you, like, understand who the characters are more? Like, the boat that rocked is that way. There's a lot of scenes that are just, like, them having fun or whatever. In Dark on Netflix, they do not waste any fucking time. Every scene is, like, an important scene. And everything that happens is, like, there. it's, like, one of those shows where it's just constant plot development. That's all it is. Um, yeah, I can't remember Interstellar perfectly as far as like, oh, this scene compared to this scene compared to this scene, because I haven't watched it more than once. I've watched it once. But I just remember like the middle-ish, end-ish part was like literally like I think I, I have almost cried. Oh, I didn't cry. Okay. Mm. Mo- movies rarely get me to cry. It's like, mm. it's a movie. A movie's I- real for me, but it's at, it's at weird moments. It's not at like you know, Like, Nico, I'm pretty emotional with my medias. And, like, I can cry watching a comedy show if it's, if it gets a little too emotional. Like, I cry watching M.A.S.H., if that tells you anything. Oh, I don't I don't cry at <laughs> any kind of media I usually don't cry about. Mm. Huh. The closest I would get is, like, a book. And even then, it's not, like, much. It's, like, yeah, I don't I think I sad. ever cried wa- reading a book. I connect more with books than I connect with um, movies. Because movies, like... Oh well, I've known this character for like an hour. Mm, Wahoo! Whereas as like book? a book, you would be like, "Oh, I've read this." Um, it took me like a week to get here, and then by the time it gets to the point where um, the character dies, you're like, "I was so connected to him." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And like you create it in your brain, like you carry it in your mind, right. and you're doing things with it. 
as a movie, it's like, well, especially on it's a character uh, on streaming media where. It, rather than being forced to take a break, there's always that overarching like anxiety of like, I could just keep watching more, I could just keep watching more. And then you're like in the middle of it and it feels like it's something whereas like when it's a, just a TV show once a week, you're kind of forced to take a break and think yeah. about it and yeah. yeah. But anyway, all right guys, um I think that's pretty much it. I don't see anybody else calling in. Uh, so I'm going to hang up on that. Please enter Q number. Oh, the Q number. Hello, Asterisk Lady. All right, thank you guys for tuning in tonight. Uh, I am... I'm just going to kill the graphic. I think we'll just call it a night. We'll just cut the mic. I mean, it so. is a night, so... It is a night. This is a night. I have called it. There you go. Done. I don't know the night's number, though. I've been your host, Paradox Red Wolf. I've been your Tiger Mariski. I'm still hungry. Hi, hungry. Oh, goodbye, hungry. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next week.